0: The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It's... March 30th right now, the end of the month. Well, I think there's 31 days in March, so almost the very end (laughs) of the month could be relevant to this case just because it is um, a fairly recent one. A lot of you guys were interested in this one. Um, It is about the dentist whose name I literally cannot remember. I know his first name was James Craig.
1: Yeah, the dentist is Dr. James Tolliver Craig. Um, Yeah, yeah, he's got a very generic name yeah for some reason, I always forget his name because it's like very generic vanilla yeah. name. When you Google him, there's actually a lot of Dr. James Craigs, so not yeah. tracking no.
0: Um, but yeah, so a lot of you guys wanted us to cover this one since it is out of Colorado. They have like an open records act. So the affidavit was like 50 something pages long. It had so many text messages in it. And a lot of you message us being like, these texts are really long and hard to read. Can you just read them to us instead? And we're like, okay.
1: (laughs) It's always crazy to me when they release so much information early on in the case. Like this was literally days after the crime had happened. And I feel like still there's some cases that are years old where we don't know anything. So... Yeah, it's always interesting and just because this one is especially wild and unbelievable. It's a really, you know, one's that one's that it's one that has captivated a lot of people. Yeah,
0: when it all came out, I sat for probably like an hour, maybe an hour and a half and was just reading through everything. <laughs> mm. But it really gives you like a f- full picture of
1: everything that was going on. I feel like this one is even more crazy than the Anna and Brian Walsh story which we did a little while ago like that seemed crazy enough with all his google searches but when we get into this one just what some people think they're going to get away with and the audacity of these people is unbelievable. Shocking like this guy is
0: deranged the way that he really thought that he was smarter than everyone else and
1: just lie after lie after lie. And they weren't even good lies. And it's so interesting too, because we actually had someone message the Instagram saying they used to work with him, I think. And they said, they're so shocked because he was the nicest, kindest guy. He actually seems like a nice guy before yeah. all this. I bet so. you that he's good at faking that. Yeah. Yeah. In every picture
0: of him. He's got the most punchable face because he does this like open mouth smile and it makes me so annoyed (laughs) but they used it. I guess it's probably his driver's license but they used it on the front of the affidavit. So as soon as you open it you just see his dumb open mouth (laughs) smile. Mm. Uh, We'll get into all of that but first we wanted to talk a little bit about we just had an exciting call with um, Spotify. We learned about some of their new features and some things that um, they're going to be working on. So I posted about it on Instagram, but one cool thing you can now do on Spotify is we can post like little questions, little polls that you guys can answer. So I've seen a lot of you guys have been using that feature already, telling us what you think of the episode, telling us how great it is, and like telling us how annoying we are or whatever else. (laughs) But it's a cool feature to interact with.
1: I think a lot of people still don't because it's actually like a really brand new feature. So I think a lot of people don't realize that this kind of functionality exists on Spotify. Spotify, even in the meeting today, they said that basically they're moving away from just kind of being an audio distribution platform to becoming more interactive. And um, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting the things that they're working on and what they've got coming up and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's such an easy platform to use as well like even to rate on spotify you literally click the amount of stars you want to give and it's done it's a one second job it's so easy whereas i know on apple you kind of got to scroll down and find it and it's a little bit trickier so yeah spotify is a great easy user-friendly platform and it's now becoming more interactive which is so exciting and another thing we learned about if even if you guys listen
0: to the podcast every week, it's really important that you guys actually follow us. Like if you go to our main page, there'll be a little button that says like follow. Um, So click that because it's literally no cost to you. It hardly makes a difference to you, but it's a huge help for us in terms of like the algorithm and all that. So it's a big help if you guys can just follow us on Spotify.
1: It is also helpful to the User who follows us because then Spotify will eventually start recommending more podcasts to you based yeah. on. So they say, We know you like True Crime Society. So, hey, here's another one that you might enjoy. So it's good if you are looking for some new content um, and kind of more related content as well.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how they figure out, like, you know, other people who like True Crime Society like these podcasts too. And then they'll like recommend those to you.
1: So it's a good way to. Um, we're, we're always getting messages asking for recommendations. I've listened to all yours. Can you recommend another one? So this This is kind of another way to kind of more organically get recommendations just based on what you like and enjoy listening to. So we just wanted to mention another podcast we've really been enjoying lately. It's called Obscura, a true crime podcast. The host is Justin Drown, and Obscura is all about shining a spotlight on the darker things in life. It's a podcast that takes a narrative approach to covering solved true crime stories. The podcast covers terrible acts in unflinching detail. Listener discretion is strongly advised as they use real 911 calls, So if you think that this kind of darker type of crime story might be up your alley, we really recommend Obscura. I really love Justin's voice, the host of the
0: podcast, and he dives really deep into every story, which is really great. It totally keeps my attention and that's kind of hard to do because I'm so scattered brain. So love it. (laughs) It's got me hooked. You guys should definitely check it out.
1: They also have a premium episode once a month that covers an even darker crime and they call that their black label episode. Ooh. Mm. Obscura, a true crime podcast can be found wherever you listen to podcasts
0: also if i sound a little sniffly today i'm sorry i feel like my allergies finally started acting up because the weather got a little slightly warmer so i've been very sniffly today and also i'm like i cry i was crying before this not because of anything important or serious because of something stupid i follow this um, account on tiktok that they foster kittens and i'm like so obsessed with the foster kittens and they're so cute and The guy makes such good videos of them. And then when it's time for them to get adopted, it's always like a little sad. Like it's happy, but you're sad to see them go. And the guy, he loved this one kitten and his name's Air Potato, which is the stupidest, funniest name. And Air Potato would always, like, come running up to him. When he come in the room, he'd, like, climb up his leg. And I was so sad that Air Potato was going to, like, get adopted and go to a new home. But then my sister sent me this TikTok that he's keeping Air Potato, and I started crying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know I'm about to get my period, so. Yeah, Air Potato, like A-I-R Potato.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they all have really name? dumb names.
1: <laughs> there's one named Grape.
0: There's one named Snail. <laughs> There's one named Queen Coral Bead. <laughs> um Saint Thomas Bean.
1: I love reading the names of rescue animals that they give them I'm like. Because they have to they name so many yeah, that they're they have just to, like random. Whatever. Bottle. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I hope that some people know the videos I'm talking about. They're like, oh my god, I know air potato.
1: <laughs> so cute.
0: Um so yeah, if I'm acting deranged this episode, we know why. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anything new, exciting with you? No, we're about a week away or just a little bit longer from our Japan trip. So this is my weekend to get organized. I've got all my beauty treatments coming up that I've been putting off for so long because I was trying to have them as close as I can to my holiday.
0: (laughs) So yeah,
1: yeah, no, other than that, just getting organized. I've got a big weekend of cleaning the house for my in-laws to arrive and yeah, just a big... Weekend, I'm excited though. It should be good. It's becoming more and more real now. It's come around so quickly. I can't believe it. So yeah, Peep is here. She
0: just arrived. Hi, Peep. Yeah. Oh. Did you hear? Her? No. Yeah, I did. Oh, hi. <laughs> She's here. She's ready. She's ready to get into it. All right. So, like I said, we're going to be talking about dentist James Craig. He was arrested for the murder of his wife Angela. um Probably like last week. At the time of recording this, he was secretly poisoning her protein shakes with uh, potassium cyanide. So, and he thought he would get away with it, but luckily, this is one of those situations where people were a little suspicious and decided to speak up instead of being like, eh, "I'm not going to get involved." The
1: arrest warrant for this case was filed on March 20th, so literally just ten days, ten days ago. So, this has all happened in the last week and a bit.
0: Yeah, some more stuff will probably come out, but like, this is definitely the bulk of the information, anyways. Yeah.
1: Now to the Colorado dentist, suspected of fatally poisoning his wife. The man appearing in court on Monday, a day after the arrest on a charge of suspicion of first-degree murder. Kena Whitworth joined us with more. Good morning again, Kena.
0: Hey, Michael, good morning. So authorities say that James Craig used his work computer to look up things like how many grams of pure arsenic will kill a human and is arsenic detectable in an autopsy. They also say he had cyanide delivered to his office, all in an effort to kill his wife and mother of
1: his six children. This morning, a Colorado dentist waking
0: up behind bars, accused of poisoning his wife and the mother of their six children. Police calling Angela Craig's death heinous, complex and calculated, alleging James purchased arsenic and cyanide and secretly poisoned her protein shakes. According to the arrest warrant, after multiple recent hospital visits, Angela again checked into a hospital Wednesday morning, complaining of a severe headache and dizziness around 2 p.m., she had a seizure, her condition rapidly declining. Doctors moving her to the ICU where she was put on life support before passing away Saturday.
1: My heart is broken for those children. They've lost a mother.
0: OK, so just there's not a ton of background on them. I you know, Angela was 43 when this happened and James was 45. They lived in Colorado, Aurora, Colorado, with their six children. And James worked as a dentist at the Summerbrook Dental Group. So all this started on March 15th. Well, it kind of all came to light around March 15th, 2023 at 1110 a.m. when his wife Angela went to university hospital with a severe headache and she had also complained of dizziness. Her brother took her to the hospital and James got there later because he was working. So at 2 p.m., Angela had a seizure and her condition rapidly deteriorated and she suffered from Oxygen deprivation, she had no pupil reaction and had pressure on her skull. She was placed on life support, and the medical team were at a loss as to what was causing her to decline so fast. So, just as a side note, we were talking about the affidavit before, all this information comes from there. And they actually did a terrible job <laughs> redacting things. Like they redacted maybe. of the things were like one of the people, his business partner's name is Ryan Redfern. So they had like redacted it
1: in one sentence, but not the next one. People, we were getting tons of messages and people are like, what is going on with this? And it was actually a little bit hard to read because you're like, is this the same person? Did they redact someone else for another reason? But essentially they just did a really- horrific job of redacting and all these names are now out in the public so we aren't outing them there there's tons of articles about all these people and it's literally in the affidavit by i guess (laughs) like even eventually spoiler alert there's like
0: a mistress involved of course they left they had a screenshot of an email they left in her entire email (laughs) signature full name (laughs) phone number name of her business address like it was
1: kind of ridiculous i feel like i wonder if they did it a little bit on purpose, I'm sure they probably didn't, but maybe they' like, no, I wonder if she could see these up yeah. well, yeah, I don't know maybe like, if she's but, facing harassment or anything, yeah, I think she's gone into hiding as well. I'm not surprised, but
0: yeah, are you interested to see if anything comes of that, but so anyways, that's how we know his business partner, James's business partner is Ryan Redford. And his wife's name is Michelle, and they're kind of involved in some of this back and forth. So Michelle, the business partner's wife, she has a Ph.D. in nursing, um, and so she was talking to James kind of about Angela's conditions, and she would have a background and some knowledge about what's going on. Michelle told police that March 15th wasn't the first time that Angela was sick and that she had actually gone to the hospital on March 6th as well and was released the same day. And then she went back to the hospital on March 9th, and it was released on March 14th. So the doctors were at a loss still as to like what was causing her illness during all that time. And just as a- another random side note, and then I'll stop derailing, <laughs> when it was my birthday is March 9th, and in past podcasts, like I would be like, oh, it's my birthday, until someone was like, that's really rude of you to bring up your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but on my birthday this year, someone messaged me, and they're like, I wonder if any crazy crimes are going to happen on your birthday this year. <laughs> I feel like this counts a little. Um but yeah, probably inconsiderate of me. Um, so when Angela went to the hospital the second time, Michelle was continually, continuously in touch with James via text regarding her condition. So Olivia's going to be Michelle
1: and I'll be James. Okay. So on Thursday, March 9, I can't, It's they've actually taken, it looks like, photos of either a phone yeah, or something, something like that. So it's a little bit holiday. shiny and there's some reflections. So some of it we might have to kind of just – guess a little bit, but most of it we can read. So I think it says around 3 something p.m. on Thursday, March 9, Michelle messaged and said, what hospital is Angela at? Do you need anything?
0: Parker Adventist, thanks for offering, but for now I think we've got more
1: support than we can handle. Gotta love the church. Do they have a diagnosis yet? I'm so sorry, we are praying. No diagnosis, thank you. Then she replies a few hours later, I think it says 5 21 p.m., any news? Nothing yet. They just admitted her to the hospital
0: for an overnight observation.
1: Good. I'm praying you, and then it cut off. Um, I mean, good, I'm glad she's been admitted.
0: LOL. Yeah, I figured that's what you meant.
1: Friday at 9.07am. How did Ange do overnight?
0: Low blood pressure all night, vomiting in the morning, still trying to figure this out.
1: Uh, I'm so sorry. Tell her we love her and we are praying.
0: I sure will. Thank you.
1: So a bit later on Friday, she messages, just checking to see how Angie's doing and if they have made any headway today. How are you doing? Do you need anything?
0: Thanks, Michelle. It's been pretty rough not having any answers. I get pretty nervous. They did so many tests. They have done four or five different blood draws. The regular blood panel all came back okay, and she is negative for autoimmune disorders, negative for diabetes. Her A1C was 5.5. The main issue they seem to be concerned about right now is blood pressure. They dumped five liters into her IV over 24 hours, and she looks super puffy and swollen, but her blood pressure is barely 100 over 60. Yesterday morning, it was 56 over 44, so although that is the main concern the doctors have, my main concern is just how she's feeling really pretty crappy. They are going to keep her one more night and hopefully she can come home tomorrow sometime.
1: How did her kidneys handle that kind of fluid? I'm sure she's miserable and this has to be so frightening for everyone. Her BUN
0: urea nitrogen was 29 yesterday, but today it's back down in the normal range of 21. They think she was just dehydrated. Her kidneys seem to be doing well so far. I thought it might be adrenal insufficiency, but they tested for that too. And so far, no answers.
1: Low BP would cause her to be lethargic and slow her speech. I'm glad she doesn't have those disease processes, but any answers would help ease anxiety and have a plan. Not knowing is more terrifying in my opinion. What about a scan to check for a tumor, thyroid, adrenal? I'm sure everyone is thinking of every pathophysiologic process that affects blood pressure.
0: They did an MRI of her head because brain tumors are in the family. They did an ultrasound of her heart. They did a head CT and they did a chest and abdomen CT. Everything has come back negative so far, so I guess that's good.
1: No tumor is a good thing, right? Yeah, that's a good thing. I'm glad they ruled it out, especially with the family history. It's just hard to imagine she was so dehydrated to cause so low blood pressure. I'm sure she's puffy with five liters of fluid on board, and I'm sure her kidneys were working double time to process it. I'm glad her A1C was normal. I would have sworn she was having diabetic ketoacidosis, but I couldn't imagine they wouldn't have checked her blood sugar on the first ER visit. I will continue to pray for answers. I know you have amazing support, but please let us know how we can help. So th- you can kind of see where this is going. They're going back and forth about all these medical diagnoses and all the possibilities. He does say some pretty inappropriate things um, at some points. Michelle says, "If her K stays low and she continues to vomit, I would expect they will add K to her IV." And then he says, "If it wasn't my wife, this would be kind of a fun puzzle to work out." <laughs> With an exclamation yeah, like, mark,
0: kind of just trying to make light of the situation. Yeah. He also says later on um so he says she's not laughing at any of my jokes either so that's how you know it's really bad and michelle says that's distressing because you're funny
1: and then he actually sends photos of angela lying in the bed in this room in the hospital to michelle he says crash intubated 54 55 44 pulse doc says she should be mentally responsive by now and she's not the doctor says she's very very worried
0: and then at the, Michelle at some point else says, I'm scared, Jim. Is that bad to say? And he says, not at all. I am too. And he said, it's weird not being able to wake her up. So those are those texts. There's, there's a bunch more, but it's a lot of medical terminology that really wouldn't add much they're substance all, to the conversation. And they're all on the
1: blog if you want to read them too.
0: Um, okay. So from there... So when Angela was admitted to the hospital for the third time, an office manager at the dental practice contacted Ryan, the business partner, and she relayed about how on March 6th, which is the the day that Angela first went to the hospital, that she saw James had returned to the office after hours. She said she saw him at in an exam room on a computer with the lights off, which she thought was weird because he had his own office and his own computer, plus he had a laptop that he would take to and from work. So, like, why would he need to be using a computer in an exam room?
1: Yeah, especially with the lights off, the whole thing shady. After hours. So, Um,
0: After she left the office that night, James texted her to say that he was expecting a personal package in the mail and that she was not to open it. If someone told me specific, like I wouldn't open the package anyways, but I guess when you work in an office, like you just assume it's for the office and you open it. But if someone was like, don't open it, like I feel like saying it's a personal package is enough. Yeah, exactly. Don't open it. I'd be like, hmm. So the package ended up arriving on March 13th. And luckily, a different employee kind of intercepted it who didn't know that it was a personal package that she shouldn't be opening. When the employee opened it, they noticed that there was a biohazard sticker and a circular canister that was labeled potassium cyanide. So she sealed it back up and gave it to James and he never knew that it was opened. So that employee kept thinking about the parcel and started to research potassium cyanide and noticed the effects that it could have on someone and realized that, realized at this time that Angela had the same symptoms. That's when they decided to contact Ryan on March 15th with that information. So, okay. So the, call to Ryan, the business partner, was made as he was on the way to see Angela at the hospital, actually. And when Ryan and Michelle arrived, they spoke to James. They said James stepped away to take a call from the doctor and that when he returned, he was visibly upset. James stepped away again, and Ryan voiced his concerns to one of the nurses. He told her that he was suspicious that Angela may have been poisoned after what he had heard from um, his staff. He told the nurse that James had ordered potassium cyanide for their dental practice and that they really had no medical reason to have potassium cyanide there. The nurse called the police, and then this is when the official investigation began. Ryan and Michelle left the hospital after this, and they sat in their car, and James called Ryan. So the call was answered via Bluetooth, and Michelle heard the conversation as well. James said he heard some disturbing information and asked Ryan if he had said anything to the hospital staff. Ryan told James that he was aware of the package that had been delivered to the office, and James lied initially and said that the package was a ring that he was getting to surprise Angelo with, because he didn't know that anyone had opened it. <laughs> Ryan told James that he knew it had been potassium cyanide in the package and asked why he would have had to purchase that. James changed his story again and said that he knew what was in the package, but that Angelo was the one that, who'd asked him to order it. He said he didn't think that she would actually take it, though. So he's just can lie like on the spot. Yeah. So at this point, Ryan told James that he should probably get a lawyer. Later that day, Ryan got a text from James, which was totally unhinged gaslighting text. Um, we'll read it. But I was saying I was is one of those words where you like never really know the definition of or <laughs> everyone uses it wrong. And I was like, this is literally like the definition of
1: gaslighting. <laughs> yeah.
0: Watch someone's gonna be like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, <sighs> It's pretty long, but I think it's worth the read because it gives a a good vibe of his personality. So this is James' text to his business partner, Ryan, because Ryan told the hospital about the poison. So it says, good morning, blank, which we know is Ryan. (laughs) Thank you for taking my patient load today. I want to make an urgent plea to you. If we were ever friends, please do me this favor. Please don't talk to anyone about what we talked about last night including any law enforcement officers. You're under no obligation to answer their questions unless you are served a subpoena and you will do more damage than good to my family by continuing to insert yourself into this. Angela is gone and I am devastated. Oh, did we know she died yet?
1: No, but she hadn't died at this
0: point. Oh. I think that
1: she was brain – Yeah. this all happened before she was actually dead, before she was declared dead anyway.
0: Yeah. Okay. There's nothing that can bring her back, and I want desperately to tell you all of the details so that you can better understand what's gone on behind the scenes with her. There's so, so much that you don't know that I wish you did. If you knew everything, this would make so much sense to you, but there's no use in telling you right now. You and I have a history of you and the other partners, and Jackie all talking about me behind my back and deciding what you think is best, and then you're always the fall guy that has to pull the trigger or tell me what you've all decided about me. In fact, yesterday, you didn't even come to me. I had to seek you out. You've never given me the advantage of talking with me first. You just decide and then act and hope I'll pick up the pieces later. This is a pattern in our business dealings and now has become a factor in our personal dealings. Let me paint a picture for you of what this has done. Yesterday, I had to tell my kids their mom wasn't going to wake up and that they were there to to say their final goodbyes. That was at 6.45 p.m. The hospital said we could bring the kids up to say goodbye at that time. But because of the investigation you opened by your incomplete information, the hospital made those poor, grieving, hysterical kids wait until after 10 o'clock to see their mom. After an hour or so of saying goodbye to her, We went home just before midnight, only to have our house sealed against our entry by the police. Instead of getting to go home and find comfort, they were met with flashing lights and cold, unfeeling cops, and the kids scared and confused. Had to go sleep at the home of a ward member family has started to come into town today, and I have to tell them they can't come to my house and try to explain why. I have to hire a homicide attorney to make sure I don't end up being painted in the light that you know some hungry DA is anxious to paint me in because I am most likely going to be charged, even though that is absolutely not what happened. Ryan, I understand why you did what you did. I do. I get it. But if you'd come to me personally, man to man, instead of talking to everyone about what you thought you knew... I might have let you in on some details that would have made you less likely to cause this horrible storm. Man, Ryan, if you had only put me higher on your list of priorities instead of putting everyone else's opinions and gossip ahead of me. For that, I am very, very mad at you. I have talked to you about this multiple times, but you don't seem to care, and now what you thought was responsible has become reckless and so, so destructive. And so I'm asking, if there was ever any love in your heart for me, please don't make this any worse by talking to any officers or anyone else about this unless you're legally forced to. And whoever else on the team you think is going to be questioned, I would ask that you privately ask them to honor this request too. Also, please do not respond to this text message until I text you again. So,
1: (sighs) imagine writing that essay when you're just finding out like your wife is gonna die. I just think it's so interesting how he's like, you've done this, you've done this, whereas... You know, I know I know he was trying to cover his tracks, but essentially he's the one who caused this whole scenario, so
0: Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Like this was so unhinged and insane to me how he's like the kids were outside freezing and couldn't go home and it's
1: all your fault. It's like, dude, you poisoned their mom. Yeah. So that was all March 15. At 12.30am on March 16, a detective went to the hospital to speak with medical staff. Angela was still on life support at that time. She had no brain activity and they basically knew that she wasn't going to survive. Police went and spoke with the office manager of the Summerbrook Dental Group, which is James's dental office, she said that on March 6th, which was the day of Angela's first hospital visit, James and Angela had exercised together. He'd made her a protein shake and after she drank it, that's when she fell faint and dizzy and that's why he took her to the hospital. Around this time, the office manager began to notice that James's behaviour seemed kind of strange and out of character. She said that she had a conversation with him about how Angela might not survive but that he quickly pivoted to talking about office business which is interesting because March 6 seems to be kind of the least severe episode she was that was when she was first yeah and yeah. she was only in hospital for a day whereas the other one I think was four or five days and then obviously she never made it out the last time so I feel like if you if they thought and he's immediately like she's not gonna make it. Yeah, and if you thought that someone was sick enough to think they weren't going to survive, I highly doubt you'd be in and out of hospital in 24 hours maybe. Yeah. She also told police that she knew Angela and James had been having marital issues and that Angela wanted a divorce. So police spoke with the business partners, Ryan and Michelle, again on March 16. Ryan told them that he had been business partners with James since August 2022 when he purchased the dental practice from him. The business had been struggling financially. They had known each other for more than 20 years and had gone to dental school together. So records do show that James filed for bankruptcy before in 2021 and he was also on the verge of filing again. Ryan told police that he kind of agreed with the office manager and said that James and Angela had been having marital problems. A CPS worker spoke with police and she also backed this up. She had had individual meetings with James and the six children. James had apparently made some concerning statements and he alleged that Angela was suicidal and had been for months. He claims to have revived her several times over the previous months and he also told the CPS worker that he asked for a divorce in 2022 and that her depression and suicidal ideations had increased since then. James also told the CPS worker that Angela had intentionally overdosed, but that he wasn't sure what she'd been taking, but he was sure that her toxicology results would come back positive for something. Mm. According to the affidavit, the CPS worker, quote, provided her opinion that James was attempting to build a cover story for what really happened to Angela. So at this time, this was all happening. James was staying with the friend who I believe was maybe a member of the church, the ward member. Police went to the home at 8.30 a.m. on March 16 to speak to James, but he told them he didn't want to speak about Angela. <laughs> so Police served him with search warrants for his phone, Angela's phone, his wallet, and laptop. He gave police the phones and codes, and he also gave them the password to his laptop. He told them he didn't have a wallet, but that he kept his cards and his ID in his phone case. Police took photos of all of this. They went to Angela and Jim's home at 8.45 a.m. Nobody was home, and they executed a search warrant. They saw that there were surveillance cameras both inside and outside the property and they amended the search warrant and also seized these cameras. Some items that were collected from the residents included multiple types of powder proteins, multiple workout style shakers used to drink the protein, a computer tablet, two different unlabeled plastic bags with white powdery substances, as well as a water bottle on an exercise bike. Police searched the dental office the same day at 11.45. They searched cameras and hard drives and as well as the laptop that James had used. They also took the contents of a vacuum for further investigation. They also found James's DEA number during this search. A DEA number is assigned to all healthcare providers and allows them to write prescriptions. So when police searched Angela's phone, they found that James was saved under there as the contact name, The Boy, which is a bit cringy now. Um, I'll just find the texts. It gives you an idea of kind of their relationship or the language they were using towards each other. Like, they did seem fairly loving. Like, now that we know what happened, I just want to shake her and be like, what are you doing when we get yeah. into some of the texts anyway? But, um, yeah, so we'll just we'll start going through it until you get kind of a picture of what was going on. Okay, so it starts on March 6th,
0: which is the first day she was sick at 6.59 a.m. Um, I'll be him and Olivia will be Angela. So he texted her March 6, 6:59 6, a.m. He said, "Thank you so much for making my drink this morning. I just love you. I hope you have a great day and I'm so glad you're back in town."
1: "You're welcome, baby. I love you too. I think my body is not letting the caffeine or is not is it? Yeah. Letting him- me Mishmet liking." Okay. You're welcome, baby. I love you too. I think my body is not letting the caffeine. We think it should be probably liking. Letting the caffeine this morning either. My stomach feels fine, but my head feels funny and dizzy. Very strange.
0: It's been a week since caffeine for you. Maybe your body is saying no, thank you. I did a full scoop of caffeine and a full big scoop of B vitamins. Is that how much you normally take?
1: Oh no, I do a small scoop of the B vitamins. It really feels weird. Is that what it says? It feels really yeah. weird. These, these ones are a little blurry, so yeah. bear with us. <laughs> Trying our best. <laughs> Oops, sorry, baby. That's okay. It'll wear off. I am dizzy and my eyes don't want to focus, but I can get the stuff done that I need to this morning. Maybe you should lie down. I'm lying on my face on the mat in my room. You have a bed, you know. I'm stinky. It just seems excessive for a little extra supplement.
0: Pearl is flying in this morning to see me. I totally forgot. I think she's flying out today too, though. I don't feel right in my head. Do I need to come home?
1: No, this is just weird. I'm dizzy in my head, and my eyes are working slowly, and my my body is responding slowly. That sounds really wrong. I'm gonna come home. I don't like this. You can't. You need to work. I'll throw some clothes on and sit with the girls and see if it goes away. And just a side
0: note: apparently, them always being like, "No, like you need to work. You can't leave work," is because they were like in debt. Yeah. Okay. So he goes, okay, I'm probably overreacting, but I don't like that. I can cancel patients for the morning or move some patients to Dr. P if needed. So if you change your mind, let me know. Do we have a blood pressure cuff? You should try that and see if your blood pressure is low or something. Do you get lightheaded when you stand
1: up? It feels more like when I take heavy meds and everything adjusts and moves slowly. Like I'm moving in thick gel. Um, My eyes are struggling to stay focused. Did you take BP? I don't know where one is.
0: Okay, if you do end up wanting me to come home, I'll bring one. I have a bottle of magnesium in my second drawer down on the left side of my sink. Take
1: one of those. Have you eaten anything? I had my protein shake and magnesium makes me weird. This is not hungry. Are you nauseous? No, I feel drugged. Given our history,
0: this must be triggering. Just for the record, I didn't drug you. I'm super worried though. You really looked pale before I left, like even your lips. Do you explain that part now or explain it
1: later? I do explain it later. So in the affidavit, it doesn't – like so we've kind of gone through the affidavit chronologically. We do um, learn later that Angela's sister tells police that Angela believes she had been drugged by James before, as in like previously, not in, in March, previously. So that's we'll, we'll get into that a little bit further as we get into the affidavit, but that's kind of what that refers to. Angela was aware that James had tried to drug her previously. In the past. Yeah. Um, So then he says, update, I
0: was plugging your symptoms into Google and stroke matches some of what you're describing. Do you have weakness in your whole body or just on one side? And is it both eyes or just
1: one that feels blurry? It feels like my whole body and it's tingly and my eyes are struggling to focus. Are you still laying down? I just got in my bed. Okay, good. My whole
0: body feels so heavy. Something's really wrong. I'm coming home with a blood pressure cuff. If nothing else, I can at least help the girls stay on track while you rest.
1: Please come get the dogs. Sorry, also, I want to shower, but I'm worried. Okay, I'll come help. Um, so this is now like
0: 6 p.m. that night. I'm all done and heading home. How are you feeling? Same. Belle's making
1: grilled cheese. Thanks, Belle. I'm all done here and headed home now. I would like another blessing tonight if there's someone who could help. Okay, I'm sure we can find someone. Is that, so do you reckon she was in the hospital then? Because there's that kind of gap. I don't know. It doesn't really say. I don't
0: know, because it says Belle's making grilled cheese.
1: Oh, but then in the next one, Uh-oh. I may have Belle take me to urgent care.
0: So, may she, she must have gone to the hospital and got out. Yeah, she definitely went to the hospital on the 6th, but it doesn't really. So, after March 6th at night, we think this is when she went to the hospital. And then these following texts, we think, are when she was out of the hospital. So, this is March 7th, um, early in the morning.
1: We don't have to miss work today. We don't have anywhere to go and the girls and I will be fine. I'm just starting to think I'm just sick and this is part of it. I'm going to try my popcorn and the doctor this morning and we'll see what we can do. I'm not sure your popcorn will do much, but you're welcome to try it. Does it say pop or PCP? It looks like it says P- PCP. <laughs> PCP.
0: Because well, PCP is primary care doc,
1: primary uh, care
0: position.
1: Yeah. Wow. So she writes PCP. Um, oh, I bet she's
0: saying... I'm going to try my PCP instead of uh, popcorn. And that's okay. what he was like, I'm not sure popcorn will do
1: much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, They're so silly. <laughs> so then they kind of go on to talk about the ER visit. She says, did the ER give you any paperwork? Only the discharge paperwork on the island, it didn't have any of your blood
0: work results or your MRI or the CT interpretation or even the glucose numbers.
1: Since you're out and about, I really think you should go over there and see if you can get a copy of it. They were supposed to give us info on the patient portal so we could access it ourselves. I didn't get any
0: of that. Sorry, the patient portal discussion must have been something that happened before I got back, kind of like between your MRI and being discharged.
1: She says, that's okay. I'll take care of it. I don't want to tell you, but I feel like you would be upset, but I may have passed out a little this morning while standing in the kitchen. I just remember holding onto the island because I was dizzy and then violet in my face saying, "Mummy." Um, thank you for telling me, but that would have been a good moment to call 911. I just waited for Belle. It's weird because my eyes seem to be focusing better today. Well, that's good, I guess. I woke up with a headache and spots in my eyes. Spots went away, headache's still there. Sorry, baby. That sounds awful. Uh, your family's out of control, but hilarious. (laughs) I'm aware of both those things. Blood sugar, only 97 today. Wow, that's weird. A1c. Not doing urine test here. They recommend I go back to the ER, but my A1c was normal yesterday, right? Isn't that what the ketones are? Never mind. She told me they don't have the capacity to do that test, but my PCP should. I'm tired. How did your talk with Matt go? I need a new PCP.
0: So... Then they go back and forth for a bit, kind of some irrelevant stuff, talking about being sick stuff. He called in a Z pack for her because he's technically a doctor and can do that. So this
1: goes on for days. Like there's March texts up to March, September so Yeah, like it's pages and pages of texts. But he's very also very much trying to play up like good husband. Like
0: he texts her, I love you. It was so nice hanging out with you and just watching a show and snuggling. I'm sorry you aren't feeling well and that you feel like I'm disappointed about that. I'm not disappointed at all, just feeling empathy for how hard that must be for you. Hopefully things can get can improve and get better. I'm also grateful that the last couple of days have allowed me more flexibility with my schedule. God really does know what he's doing.
1: And so the text also go through like the second hospital admission, which was March 9. Like she writes things like, head of emergency surgery just left. Gallbladder is slightly distended, but that happens when you don't eat. He said he doesn't think my issue is surgical and he's going to look through my charts. Talk to the doc on the floor and see what kind of plan they can come up with. So she talks about she can't, can't eat anything. She hasn't even tried to eat anything. Even she writes in one text, I'm going to try some broth in a minute and see how I can do. And then she wrote, and maybe some Vicks. And he wrote, gotcha, any meth? And she said, I think I'm good. Like he's still trying to make these dumb cringy jokes when she's obviously very sick. Because he is funny. (laughs) So there are texts kind of right up before I believe that she became unresponsive. So Monday was the 13th. She's saying things like, um, my head really feels bad. I'm not allowed to sleep without oxygen. I feel super tired and then she just thinks, says, like, I want to go home. I'm really not feeling well. I don't feel good. I'm hurting. So she was in a really, really sad, horrific place it seems right before this all happened, obviously. You wouldn't be feeling well.
0: Yeah. but He's still just kind of
1: excited for the girls to
0: get to go to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, this is like these, this is kind of the back and forth. The whole thing is just them talking about her, him making dumb suggestions and like things like, I fell asleep. Good night, baby. I love you. And, you know, just stuff like that. It's just, there's literally pages and pages and dozens and dozens of texts. So, if you want to Mm -hmm. read them all, look on the blog. All right. So, on March 17, police searched his other electronic devices. His phone was connected to the email dinosaurjim at me.com, but investigators found another email on the hard drive in the dental office. That email is jimandwaffles at gmail.com. The waffles email was first created on February 27th, 2023. Whoever was waffles had searched many poison related inquiries, including how many grams of pure arsenic will kill a human, is arsenic detectable in an autopsy. He'd also searched for chemical suppliers in Aurora, and they found an Amazon order for February 27th to be delivered to Jim's house. For an item called arsenic metal, 99% crystalline metalloid, 10 10 grams for element collection. It was a $13 order. Investigators also found additional online purchases of poison. Some of his Google searches were "buy arsenic, Aurora, Colorado." What can you use arsenic for? He also found a web page with a page titled "Is arsenic detectable in autopsy?" Very Brian Walsh, like you were saying. (laughs) He watched YouTube videos about making poison and there was also a video called Top 5 Undetectable Poisons That Show No Sign of Foul Play. He also looked up how to make poison out of oleander, which is a toxic plant. James visited a website that had information on arsenic and cyanide. A video also explained how difficult cyanide is to detect and that by the time doctors figure it out, it's usually too late to save the person's life. So the James and Jim and Waffle's email account stopped communications with all other anyone else, on March 16. Other orders were attached to the email, including Sigma 20781025G from Midland Scientific, and this is a term for potassium cyanide. So soon after this order was placed, a person with the company reached out to ask James what he needed to use the item for, and they informed him that they didn't have it in stock, but they could ship it to him overnight. The order had a delivery address for the dental office. The company set James a restricted item usage statement form to fill out. He responded to the, to the email saying he was a surgeon performing a craniofacial reconstruction and was using the chemical to check and see if it will help with the layering of alternative medicals. And if it was successful, the information would be published as a paper in the National Institute of Health. So he had this whole story.
0: I looked it up and I don't remember the exact words, but pretty much the only thing that you really use potassium cyanide for is something to do with basically like stripping metal. Let me look again. Cyanide. It's used for the extraction of gold and silver from ores and electroplating and steel hardening. It's really all
1: I can find that it's actually used for. So despite all this, he provided his license number and his professional email, but the email for the order was the gym and waffles at gmail.com. I just can't believe that there are, maybe there will be after this, but more protocols in line for checking that this use is official. Yeah, I wonder if they'll get sued. hmm by anyone? So the Jim and Waffles account had also been communicating with a woman. We have found the woman online. Her name is in the affidavit. Her first name is Karen. She's an orthodontist in another state. We won't blast her because I feel like her life has probably been destroyed anyway. Um, like I said, you could see her, her whole email signature in the affidavits. So. Y- yeah, that's what I mean. And so apparently she's the only orthodontist in the town where she lives. Like <laughs> she's. it's not like her name is Jane Smith. She's a very identifiable person. Mm-hmm. So in the affidavit, there is an email between James and Karen. It implies she, it seems like she knows James was married. And they only
0: show the one email, but like in this other screenshots of his emails, when they were finding like the orders and stuff, you could see that there are other emails from her. Okay. So the email says the caption is seeing, I mean, what is it? The, not the caption, what what the heck is it called? Subject line. Yeah. The subject of it is called seeing you. And this is her writing to him. Hi, honey. I'm so sorry for what has transpired this week in your world. I am sorry I'm not part of your world to be of more help to you. and Instead, I am pulling you away. This is so hard. I want to be and do whatever I can to support and encourage you, and I don't want to add to what has become an incredibly difficult time. can't imagine what it is doing to you to walk your kids through this. I do want to give you any comfort I can, but I do not feel it is right for me to mix in with all of those gathering to mourn Angela either, and I do not want to meet your family as a friend and try to conceal what I feel for you. I am praying for you and seeking God's
1: wisdom for this time. I love you, Karen. So there are other emails, as Stephanie mentioned. They said that they were intimate in nature, contained sexually explicit conversations. They also contained travel plans, which showed that Karen went from Austin to Denver from March 8 to 10. The affidavit reiterates that Angela was in the hospital from March nine to fourteen.
0: So literally while she's in the hospital, yeah. she this mistress flew out there and was with him and while he's texting her, like checking in on her, and know he was like, I'll come
1: home I'll come, I'll come, I'll come here, or I'll come wherever like no he fucking wasn't going to. So there's a second travel itinerary from March 16 to 20, which is when Angela ended up passing away, that showed there was a flight from Austin to Denver that that was purchased on March 4, which is the same day that the arsenic was delivered to James's house. And I know we spoke earlier about how James made a comment to Angela, like, Pearl's flying in today. I think she's also flying out. I'm Mm. 99% sure Pearl is Karen. So he obviously had some backstory that he was telling Angela about this woman.
0: And there's that more insight into – james and karen's relationship yet really besides that email but i'd love to know like what he told her like was she just okay with him having a wife was he lying saying unless it was part of the story that he told everyone of like no i want to get divorced but then she became suicidal so i can't
1: like what was he telling this other woman i know and i'm sure when this goes to trial it will eventually come out but i'm also yeah she'll probably to have to testify surely so police also spoke to Angela's sister. She described James and Angela's marriage as tumultuous and said that he had multiple affairs with several women. He also told Angela that he'd been addicted to pornography since he was a teenager and that he drugged Angela approximately five to six years ago. So this is where the evidence of the previous drugging comes out in the affidavit, like, so it's right kind of near the end. So five to six years ago. This has obviously been apparently going on for a very long time. Angela apparently also told her sister that James had drugged her. Had drugged? Drugged Angela because he wanted to go into the bathroom and kill himself. Ah, uh, okay, yes. Angela apparently told her sister that James had drugged her because he wanted to go into the bathroom and kill himself. Angela's sister has said many times that Angela had planned to leave James, but that he always convinced her to stay. She added that their finance was would dire after he ran the dental office into the ground. And Angela had told the sister that James had gambled away more than $2,000 in Las Vegas recently. The sister also told police that James has said he would not allow an autopsy to be conducted on Angela, but that she wanted one to be done in case she had died from a rare genetic condition that could be passed down to the children. So Angela was pronounced brain dead on March 18, 2023 at 4.29 p.m., the conclusion in the affidavit is basically sums up why they are now charging James with this. It says, Nobody aside from James suggested that Angela had suicidal ideations. The Department of Human Services said he believed so they believed he was creating a cover-up story. James had been communicating with a woman in what appeared to be a sexual relationship while his wife was dying. An email used to research undetectable poisons was only used from one of the dental rooms in his practice. The email which had been used to purchase arsenic arrived at James's home on March 4. Angela felt sick on March 6 and she was hospitalized with symptoms consistent with arsenic ingestion. James ordered oleandrin, which is another poison, which was intercepted and was never delivered. On March 13, the package arrived that James instructed the office manager not to open and this was the cyanide, it was opened anyway. Angela returned home from hospital on March 14 after she was admitted on March 9, but she was back in hospital the following day. She was put on life support, did not regain any brain activity. James regularly made her protein shakes. Investigators believe the poison was in these shakes. The poison wasn't located anywhere in the homes, though, during the searches. The final line of the affidavit says: Based on the totality of the investigation, James has shown the planning and intent to kill his wife, to end his wife's life by searching for ways to kill someone undetected, providing her poisons that align with her hospitalized symptoms, and working on starting a new life with Karen. Your affiant finds there is more than enough preliminary evidence sufficient to arrest James Craig with premeditated first degree murder. I
0: also wanted to add in that you mentioned that he like was refusing to get an autopsy on Angela, and his reasoning for that was. Um, I think the sister said he was saying, if they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her when she was alive, then I don't want them poking and prodding her when
1: she's dead. This case reminds me of so many other cases. It reminds me of Tony Tote. It reminds me of Chad Daybell. He also didn't want the autopsy on his wife Tammy just to cover it up. You know, there's just so so many of these men are so <laughs> ridiculous, and they all get caught. Yeah. So James appeared in court first on March 23rd. The hearing lasted only 10 minutes. He confirmed that he was waiving his right to preliminary hearing within the 35-day period and the preliminary hearing has been set for April 7. Um, Angela's family released a statement. They said, we are all heartbroken over the loss of our sweet Angie. She was deeply loved by both the Prey and Craig families and this is a very difficult time for all of us. We thank God for the knowledge that we will be able to be reunited with her someday. We are overwhelmed by the love and service extended to us by those who knew and loved her here in Aurora. We are so grateful for the compassion and concern everyone has shown Angie and we would ask for your continued thoughts and prayers. We also invite you to allow us some time to mourn her passing in privacy. So Angela's obituary is online. I'm always interested to see what they do in a situation like this if they kind of acknowledge her married name, for example. Um, they do put her name as Angela Pray Craig, which I'm assuming Pray is her maiden name. Um, it just basically I won't read it because it's quite long, but it talks about you know how much she loved her family, her six children. James is not mentioned in the obituary, which isn't surprising. So I'll put the whole thing on the blog. It says that she loved woodworking, creative projects. Um, her son said that his mom loved a lot of things, but she didn't have time for all of them because she had six children instead. She really, <laughs> she had out of the six children, there's five daughters and one son, I believe. So, you know, she had, was obviously very, very busy with all the kids. And it seemed like she was a very involved mother. It's just like insane. Like they had six kids, even though they were mostly. Older, I think, right? I think the oldest kid, I don't know the ages of the children, but the oldest ch- kid is probably nearly 18, I would guess, so that kind of makes sense. But those is still young. It's like this dude literally
0: took the mother away of six kids. And now those children aren't going mom. to have a, a,
1: any parent now. Yeah, all well, because he was having an affair and he's a piece of shit. And in terms of kind of being similar to the Tote family, today there's been an article that says he was more than $2 million in personal debt and that the dental practice was losing $120,000 per month. It's just like how how short-sighted can you be? Why would you ever think this is a good plan? His personal pre-tax earnings for 2019 was $778,000. And despite this, he still couldn't keep it all afloat. They've said that he was into cryptocurrency, um, oh, he fell he fell victim to a crypto Ponzi scheme where he lost six hundred thousand Wow so he had a lot like that reminds me a lot of Tony Toad. I know his was insurance mm-hmm. fraud and things like that but um yeah he had taken out two loans against the house in Aurora. he once owned one million dollars against the property outright like this is some of his debts he owed three hundred and fifteen thousand to the IRS had seven hundred and fifty thousand more of other debts, two hundred thousand dollars on credit cards.
0: It also reminds me of Murdoch a little because it was like he was in all this money debt. Um, They're finding out that he was stealing all this money from the law firm. He's like, hmm, what would distract everyone from this? Oh, if I'm suddenly the poor victim who lost my wife and son, everyone will leave me alone. So like what? This guy just think like, let me just get rid of my wife. Everyone will feel sad for me and leave me alone. I'll just slot my mistress into um, my wife's spot. To help with the kids, and I'll just continue having affairs and
1: being a piece of shit forever. Like, he really thought he would get away with it. Yeah, I just, that's what I mean. The audacity of these men just to believe, yeah, this is going to be fine. This is a solid plan. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, that's kind of it for the James Craig story up to date till now. One thing that I did find interesting is about poisoning as a murder method. I've read a stat and it says it's very rare. Poisoning accounts for less than 0.5% of all murder cases. Hmm. It's, it's, like it is, it's, it's
0: so a, easy to track if you buy it. That's what I was like, going to
1: say. It's actually a dumb because the, the amount of poison you'd need to kill someone or the type of poison is surely going to be trackable. You would think that it's one of the ways. I heard an interesting interview with a toxicologist the other day and it was basically like everything is poisonous. It just depends on the amount. So, mm. um, yeah, it's interesting. I guess he really thought with his all his undetectable, um, you know, Google searches and things like that, that he'd really found a way to get around the system and he clearly didn't.
0: Yeah, he's like – I'm not trying to, like, diagnose anyone, but just off of the loose description of, like, a sociopath of how he just came off as, like, this really nice, energetic, happy guy, church god, all these kids, like, dentist, acting like he had all this money, when really behind the scenes he was plotting to murder his wife and apparently has a porn addiction and um, has all these mistresses and just was – had drugged his wife in the past, but – On the outside looking in,
1: it seems like not everyone would think that. We did ask on Instagram if anyone had any questions or thoughts, and this is the comment I referred to earlier. It says, I used to work for Dr. Craig, and I'm still in disbelief as he was one of the sweetest doctors. Someone else wrote, clearly hasn't watched enough true crime to know that cyanide can be traced. Hmm. (laughs) Um, Um, I live in Colorado. Why do we have so many cases of husbands murdering their wives here? Suzanne Morphe is another one from Colorado. Yeah, there seems to just be a a disproportionate amount of things happening in Colorado. I don't know why. Also Colorado. Oh, yeah, yeah. Watts was in Colorado.
0: Um Gannon was also Colorado, even though it's different type of, right? Yeah. Wasn't Gannon Colorado? Yeah, Gannon was
1: Colorado. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the big ones. Someone said, wild that he did it with poison, since traditionally that's how women kill, not men. Someone said, that's even more dumb than Brian's three-point turn. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, some interesting comments all along the same lines. Lazy, how dumb, how ridiculous that he ever thought he was going to get away with it. I just really want
0: to know more about his life, and I hope it comes out during the trial, and just that everyone testifying totally humiliates him and puts out all of his, like, shitty business dealings and shitty personal details about his porn addiction and everything just totally on blast, fucking embarrassing him, because it seems like he's the type of person where he is not going to like having that
1: out there because you know he loves god and blah 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 and he was trying to clearly control the narrative like he didn't either want his wife to know about the financial stuff or he just wanted to be with karen like do you know what i mean he just i think he felt like he could control everything and he really thought that this was going to work out well for him
0: uh, when i was reading this affidavit there's so many times where i, I honestly was like <gasps> like when he, his immediate lie was <sighs> the box that i had delivered was a
1: ring that i got for her <laughs> what <laughs> And then even when he tried to pivot so quickly and say, Angela wanted it, but I really didn't think she would take it. Like, if your wife said to you, can you order me cyanide, wh- what would you, you – like, it's just such a crazy She's going to just start, like, making ores or whatever it's was yeah. used for. Like,
0: oh my God, the stupidity yeah. of this man. But, you know, I'm glad he was the stupid at least because he fucking got caught. Which it didn't yeah. happen, obviously, but
1: at least he got caught. And there was um, some kind of bordering on victim blamey comments that I saw. where They're like, well, if he did it before, why didn't she leave? But I guess she probably never really had proof. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, it's hard to say what you do in a situation like that. She, I'm sure it's the last thing that she wanted to believe.
0: Yeah, I said my thinking while I was reading it was that I hope society progresses enough eventually that women stuck in situations like this feel confident and empowered enough to leave because even though yeah obviously there's a ton of red flags it seems but she has six kids a lot of times the women who are in these situations feel stuck feel like they don't have any money like i don't think she had a job right like they have no money they have no way to just like easily escape she could
1: have been maybe planning to leave or trying to make a plan or wanted to leave and even in terms of when you add kind of their religious beliefs in, um, they seemed like they were a very religious family. And I like I read an article too that said the church members came and cleaned his house for him when Angela was in hospital. And, you know, like they're obviously involved in the church community. So I feel like a lot of the times that's also a deterrent for divorce. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the abusers, they do
0: the thing where it's like, it's really, really bad. Something bad happens. But then they lure you back in by being like, it's never going to happen again. Then they're super, super nice to you. They're acting like the best spouse ever. And it's only a temporary thing until they go back to acting like a dirtbag. But then that's the endless cycle of like, they're abusive to you and then they lure you back in. So yes, from the outside, it's easy to be like, whoa, she should have totally left. But you have to consider the other circumstances as well. And I
1: feel like, too, in the texts, he seems – like, obviously, he's two-faced. He's but he seems a show. Yeah. He's very caring. He's very kind. I love you, baby. How are you doing, baby? You know, like, mm-hmm. it's not like he's, like, not responding to her. Like, they clearly were close-ish or, you know, I'm sure that – she thought they were closer than what they actually were, based on his other dealings. But it's he seemed like a caring husband. Maybe she believed that he was. We don't. Yeah, he seems like a master manipulator. So. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone should think twice before they judge. Yeah, I think just the saddest part is now that these these six young children with no parents. You know, imagine. Yeah. Not even just the grief of losing your mother. Imagine now having to li- live with the grief of your father doing this, and your father probably going to jail for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It's just horrific. Angela's family seems very supportive. I have seen there's a GoFundMe for the children. Hopefully, someone in her family will be able to take care of them.
0: But yeah, crazy story. He'll probably be an interesting trial if it goes to trial. I'm assuming it will because I doubt he's going to plead guilty. Guilty. Yeah. So we shall see. Um. I don't think there'll be any massive update or like we'll need to update the episode but I know some more little small things could come out that we'll we'll post about on Instagram and wherever else I guess that's it for now with the story that's it I think the
1: whole the whole affidavit is 52 pages so it's on the blog if you want to read it too if you want to if you haven't read the whole thing all the texts are on there in their entirety so you can go and yeah there's tons
0: yeah all right so like as always, follow us on Instagram at True Crime Society. We post everything there. With, if there's any updates with this case, we'll post them on there as well. Um, you can follow our personal accounts. Mine is Steph Sum underscore, Olivia's TCS Olivia. We'll have all the links and everything written out on the blog at True Crime Society blog.com. If you're listening on Spotify, check out some of those new features that we were talking about earlier and make sure you follow us. Actually, click that follower button it's a big help to us um you can leave us a rating on there you can leave some nice comments share the podcast on your instagrams wherever just get the word out there get people listening it's a big help to us we can do that as well our sponsors any sponsors will be in the episode notes if you ever forget the codes or anything they're always listed and linked there all right so we will talk to you guys next week thanks for listening uh stay safe out there peace out see you